Thank you for listening to the Gateway to the Rockies podcast from Visit Aurora from the Raptors of the Stanley Marketplace. This is the show dedicated to telling the stories of Aurora, Colorado. Hi there, I'm Dave, the Senior Marketing Manager for Visit Aurora. One of the gems of our city is the Plains Conservation Center, a nature preserve and educational space that showcases pioneer and indigenous life in the late 1800s. It encompasses over 1,100 acres of short grass prairie with breathtaking views of the Rocky Mountains. Today, we're joined by biologist and natural resource specialist for the Plains Conservation Center, Fendi Dupre. Fendi, it's a pleasure to meet you. Yes, it's a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I have to start with the question that you've been asked a million times, probably starting in first grade. Is Fendi related to the luxury brand? (laughs) Yes. My mom actually named me after the luxury brand because she really liked the perfume. Really? Yes. So, so much so that she's like, I got to name my daughter Fendi. Yes. And it was really unique. Nobody else has had it that she knew of. I've never met anybody with it. And yeah. Do you get to ask that question a lot? Yeah. Okay. I imagine so. (laughs) Um, You studied biology at the University of Colorado, Denver, but your initial goal was to go into medicine, I believe, right? Yes. Yes. That was the intention. Um, I, while I was still in school, I got a job at a pathology lab and hated it. I hated how much I was inside. I was on the computer all day long. I never saw nature in any way. I didn't realize when it had snowed or rained and it was really difficult on my body just being on the computer all day long. So I decided that I needed to do something outside. So I started looking for park ranger positions. And it was at the same time that the city had just taken over the Plains Conservation Center. So I was able to get in as a seasonal. When you were a kid, were you the type of child that, you know, would capture a frog so that you could observe it? Was that kind of your your upbringing? Absolutely, yes. I was outside getting dirty. I broke my arm three times. Really? And yeah. <laughs> so a rock climber, but maybe not great? Uh, no, yep, definitely not. <laughs> just adventurous. So there was a, an innate fascination with nature for you growing up. Yeah, absolutely. On your Instagram, you've posted some really impressive places. Where are some of your your favorite nature spots that you've traveled to throughout the globe? Yeah, I took a trip to Patagonia in 2020, right before the pandemic. And it was absolutely amazing. It was, we did a 40 mile trek um, in Chile. And it was the most physically exhausting experience of my life, but it was also the most immersive. How so? What were some of the things you experienced? Yes, so something that I really noticed here in Colorado when you're hiking is, in the mountains, is that you always hear planes. Yeah. And down there, nothing. Hmm. You never heard any planes. And it was interesting to see the night sky because the sky is different there than it is here. Really? Yeah, the constellations and stuff are different. Yep. It's amazing how much more you can see when you get away from that city light, that industrial light. You really feel like you're a part of a more vast universe. Absolutely. Yes. You spoke a little bit about how you got to the Plains Conservation Center, but as an alluring place to work, what what was kind of the journey in, in that regard? Like what 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 drew you, what attracted you to the Plains Conservation Center? Um, that it was a natural area, an open space. And again, I would be doing something outside. When I first started, I was doing mostly maintenance and taking care of farm animals because we have farm animals on the site. We have a homestead village that's set in the 1880s 
and sometimes we get well each summer we get farm animals so that was another way to really connect with nature in that connecting with the food you know or the places where we historically got food and we still get food but we just don't see that side of it one thing i noticed while perusing your instagram page you you uh channeled your inner steve Irwin, rest in peace uh, <laughs> by releasing a rattlesnake I'll be honest, not a fan of the nope ropes. Maybe you can enlighten me on why I should be more appreciative of their species. Uh, but can you tell me the story behind that? Yeah, yeah. So we do have rattlesnakes on site and we do need to move them when they're in areas where there's a lot of people, where mm -hmm. there's a lot of traffic. You know, we want to reduce the amount of wildlife conflict that there is and still give them the space that they need because they are really important to the ecosystem yeah. at the PCC. Um, so. When we have to move them, we'd use the hooks or we'd use the clamps, grab onto them, put them in a bucket, and then we'll take them out onto the prairie where there isn't as many people around. Fendi, it's not that easy. You make it sound, <laughs> is it really that easy? It really is. I mean, oh. It's, you don't get nervous at oh, all? Oh yeah, definitely, definitely, really? every time. But you wear snake chaps, steel-toed boots, you know, whatever you can to protect yourself. Um, and the first time is definitely the, the, the heart pounder for sure um but then after a few times you start to find the beauty in them you yeah. find them alluring they're mysterious they're they're terrifying but they're beautiful they're also not coming after us humans you know no. they don't want anything to do with us if all you know possible um but yeah that is i, I imagine that's got to be um, a bit of a heart-wrenching experience have you had a close encounter with a rattlesnake that maybe got a little too close for comfort um yeah actually we have a picnic shelter and there's a little gap in the door and one morning i went to open it up get it ready for for visitors and there was a rattlesnake sitting right at the corner and i was probably about a foot away from it really it didn't it didn't strike it didn't do anything it just tried to hide you know yeah try to go unnoticed but oh i didn't need coffee that morning <laughs> i was like i'm good <laughs> plenty of adrenaline there um can you tell me about your adventure buddy poncho oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Pancho is my uh, poodle terrier. Okay. He's eight years old. Oh. And he is, yes, a little adventure enthusiast. I have taken him on 15 mile hikes. He's wow. 15 pounds <laughs> and have taken him backpacking too. So sleeping in a tent overnight for a few nights. He uh, He's still at it even though he's eight years old now and I hope that he still has many years of hiking and adventures to go. Now I have a, a five-year-old Maltipoo who if I try to take him on anything more than a two-mile hike will lay down on the ground and need to be carried the rest of the way. Have, I, it, it sounds like Poncho is, is more about that life than my Toby. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I have had to carry him though. Yeah. Like he's black and that is terrible in the hot sun. Yeah. So there's been a couple times where he just gets a little overheated and I've I've had to sling him. <laughs> Those furry companions are the absolute best, though. We're so lucky to have them. Can you talk a little bit about the history of the site of the Plains Conservation Center? Sure, yeah. Originally, it was inhabited by the indigenous peoples of the Plains, um, the Cheyenne, the Ute, the Arapaho. And then afterwards, it was settled on by homesteaders through the Homestead Act. And there was a archaeological survey that was done at PCC in the late 90s and they found thousands of artifacts from these homesteads specifically one of them was a single woman her name was Adelia Wells 
they found 25,000 artifacts from her homestead, and it is really impressive to find a single woman that homesteaded for that long. She was there for over 10 years. And when you go out on the prairie, you can still see the depression in the ground where her homestead was. Wow. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, and afterwards, it became a part of the Lowry bombing range. And wow. <laughs> they, yeah, they were testing inert bombs and there are remains of towers. There was a target tower and three watchtowers and pilots would drop these inert bombs or flower bags and see how close they could get to the target. Gotcha. After that, it was a part of the West Arapaho Soil Conservation District where they were teaching farmers how to sustainably practice agriculture because this was right after the Dust Bowl. Okay. So we figured Completely out that we changed that yes. entire system. Yep. Yeah, we we're plowing excessively, not um, practicing harmoniously with nature to get our food, and we decided that something needed to be done about it. So the PCC started with education in that, and then they did so well with education that they opened up to the public, um, educating people on prairie ecology and Colorado history in the 60s, and that's where we're at today. Was there a period of time between the homesteading and when Lowry started conducting their test where folks were unaware that there was a settlement there or was there always an understanding that that was at one time a settlement and it was just eventually preserved? No, there was an understanding that there was a settlement. Okay. There. They basically took the land from the people that were settling there and said, okay. we're using this for a bombing range. Wow. <laughs> yeah. uh, on the surface, you might think of the plains as an ecosystem as just a lot of grass and not much else, but that couldn't be further from the truth. There's a thriving and diverse ecosystem, flora and fauna. What makes the plains so unique and why is it important to preserve and protect it? Yes, um, so the prairie or the plains is one of the most biodiverse environments or ecosystems on the planet. And it is also one of the most threatened ecosystems, especially here in North America. And the prairie or the plains provides a lot of ecosystem services. So one of the biggest ones is that the prairie actually sequesters more carbon than the forests in the mountains do. Really? And that's because the prairie plants, the grasses, the herbaceous flowering plants have really, really deep roots, upwards of 10 feet or more. Hmm. And when they take out the carbon from the atmosphere, they put that carbon in their roots or underneath the ground in the soil. So then when a wildfire comes through, the carbon doesn't get re-released into the atmosphere. It stays underground. Whereas the forests in the mountains, when they experience a wildfire, the carbon is stored in their tissues that are above ground. So that fire burns through and all that carbon goes back into the atmosphere. Really? Yes. So that's a huge ecosystem service. And one of the biggest reasons why it's important for us to put away some of these or, or preserve, conserve some of these prairie spaces in Aurora and everywhere else where there is natural prairie. Um, some other ones include pollinator habitat. We need pollinators to eat and pollinators need a healthy natural habitat to do so. Um, it's also really important for our water quality. We need to have these natural spaces that do these um, natural cleansings of our water before it comes to us. 
So yeah, the prairie is really important and it has such a subtle beauty that you really have to look for. Yeah. So many people come out to PCC and be like, oh, it's just these rolling hills of brown. And it's like, well, you really need to take a, a closer look, really spend some time with it, examine it, reflect on it, and it'll light up, especially right now with the snow being on the mm -hmm. ground. You can find stories that the wildlife are telling in the snow because you see tons of tracks. Like the other day I saw um, some tracks of wings, like feathers. And then you can see some bunny tracks and you could see how the and raptor- the bunny tracks Yeah, the raptor came, the bunny was running and the raptor uh -oh. came in and slid around. And I'm not sure if it actually got it. There was yeah. actually no fur or anything. So I think okay. the bunny got away. Oh, good. But Our it's friend. fun to, to try to puzzle it, put it together and see if you can figure out what they're trying to tell, what story is being told. Uh, the area is so biodiverse. You have over 75 plant species, 30 mammal species, 102 birds, and uh, 19 reptile species even. Does the PCC take measures to check on the health of these populations? Yes, absolutely. Um, and there's far more than 75 plants on there. Okay. <laughs> I took this from your website, I yes, believe. <laughs> yes, I know. I need to, uh, to update that. But I actually do... So I'm also the volunteer coordinator mm -hmm. for our division for open space and natural resources. And since my office is at PCC, I do a lot of wildlife monitoring at PCC. Uh, we do regular bird counts every month. We do pronghorn counts, prairie dog counts. Um, I just started a prairie restoration project last year where we're doing a whole lot of monitoring using cameras, using game cameras or just posts where you take pictures on your phone and it's a way for the public to also be involved in these monitoring efforts. And then we take that information and make decisions on how we should assist the prairie. You know, should we get rid of um, a certain species of invasive plant? Should we try to um, make some corridors through the site, et cetera, et cetera. You have a fascinating YouTube video about invasive species. I highly recommend if you get a chance to go to uh, Fendi's YouTube channel to check that out. Um, how has encroaching civilization affected that flora and fauna? Have you noticed a change over the years, especially with all the development we've seen in the metro area? Um, it brings in a lot of disturbance. Uh, people, in a really simple example, will go to other open spaces, other natural areas, go to the mountains and pick up seeds on their shoes and mm. then they come to PCC and those seeds get spread and those invasive plants compete heavily with the native plants and will almost displace them and then the prairie can't do those ecosystem services um, when it has that disruption in it. So the biggest issue that we've seen is definitely the increase of invasive non-native plants. Speaking of plants that probably shouldn't be here, uh, the French aristocracy decided that we needed grass carpets in, in, and all of a sudden that became adopted in North America. Uh, yes. We really should as homeowners be planting indigenous species, shouldn't we, in, instead of trying to curate Kentucky bluegrass, right? Absolutely. Kentucky bluegrass needs upwards of 35 inches of water per year. And here in Aurora, we naturally get 12 to 15 inches. Mm -hmm. It's not sustainable. We don't have the water to um, give that particular species what it needs to thrive. And there are tons of other prairie native 
grasses that are beautiful mm -hmm. and only take a couple years to establish and then you don't have to do anything at all. I get a lot of people that come out because I do some uh, like plant identification classes and plant walks and stuff like that that are really interested in learning about what native species they can use for their landscaping. And this next year or this year, um, I'm planting a educational garden with oh, nice. that's going to showcase some of these beautiful native species that people can use in their yards. I, I was considering going with buffalo grass in my backyard. Would that be good for our Colorado environment or not so much? Definitely. Okay. Definitely. That's probably the number one. That and blue grama. Okay. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, the prestigious Cornell University lists the Plains Conservation Center as a birding hotspot. Do, do you find a lot of bird watching enthusiasts at the center and, and what kind of birds are they seeing out there? Oh, yeah, definitely. Lots of birders and we do guided bird uh, safari tours. Oh, cool. We have this really cool safari truck. Um, but yes, we currently have a pair of bald eagles that are nesting on the site. Wow. And we have over 120 different species of birds in total. And some of them are only found in the short grass prairie, like the western meadowlarks and the horn larks and um, northern harriers. They're a species of raptor. Hmm. So those are definitely some of the highlights that you won't see anywhere else. The area was once occupied by the Cheyenne. Uh, you mentioned the Arapaho, other indigenous tribes. It seems very important for the PCC to preserve that legacy and teach about that civilization, isn't it? Oh yes, absolutely. They um, unfortunately experienced some terrible hardships in the past, basically attempted genocide and have been able to persevere and are still present, are still living in these areas and i feel like it's really important to teach people about how they interacted with the prairie what their adaptations were um, their uses of the different plants their beliefs and um, it's really enjoyable for me to to teach people about yeah could you give us some insight what was life like for the cheyenne and, and even the pioneers in the in the 1800s what was life like on the prairie for them yeah so for the cheyenne they were very connected to the resource and the prairie is is a really harsh and, and desolate environment so they had to move around quite a bit be uh, very nomadic so that they could exploit different resources but they were also land stewards they knew what the prairie needed per se so they would do these prescribed burns mm. so they would burn the grasslands and that allowed the grasses and other plants to return more nutritious and healthier and that was good for the animals especially the bison that the cheyenne uh, were very reliant on they got almost everything from the bison the plains conservation center is free to enter uh, you can hike the trails explore the visitor center even check out the teepees and homestead village um, there is a fee to attend guided programs can you talk a, a bit about some of those experiences yes yes so we do um, a lot of regular programming so we do wagon rides where we take you out on the prairie teach you about the prairie ecology or the wildlife on the prairie and then we do tours of the teepee camp so that's where we do the Cheyenne education and then we do tours of the homestead village there are two houses a blacksmith shop a one-room schoolhouse and a loafing shed and that's where we have the animals during the summer so we'll teach about um, how the homesteaders 
relied so heavily on their animals. And then we do uh, like prairie birding safari rides. We do full moon hikes. Oh, wow. Sometimes we'll do some astronomy programs. I'm actually planning a star party in May. It's on May 19th, and I'm working with the Denver Astronomical Society, and they're going to bring out 15 to 20 telescopes with volunteers, set them all up, and let people kind of mingle and look through the scopes, look at planets, galaxies, whatever is out that night. And we're going to have s'mores in our picnic shelter, and then I'm going to do some presentations, and I'm working right now to get some indigenous presenters to come out and do some presentations on indigenous star knowledge. So that's something in the works that's really exciting right now. You had me at s'mores. <laughs> yeah, I know, that's that's the key. <laughs> let's, let's hope for clear skies on May 19th. I know. <laughs> the Plains Conservation Center is in partnership with the Denver Botanic Gardens. That seems like a great relationship. How do they help with the programming at the PCC? Yes. So they run all of the school programming that we have, and during school program season, it's almost every day that we have a school group out there. Yeah. And they also do homeschool programs, family workshops. They do a variety of other visitor drop-in public programs. So it's been a really good relationship. It's fantastic to have them out there helping with the school programming. And then they do have an heirloom garden there too. So it's in the Sod Village and it represents species of herbs, vegetables, fruit that homesteaders would have been growing in Aurora in the 1880s. Believe it or not, I, I vividly remember being nine, 10 years old, a thousand years ago, and our, and our class went out to the Plains Conservation Center, uh, and it was riveting. I, I vividly remember sitting in the one-room school, and, and at one point we were even allowed to, to pet rattlesnakes. A handler brought a rattlesnake out, and we were able to wow. you know, stroke it a bit, which is uh, <laughs> a really uh, life-changing event. Um, I don't imagine extreme petting zoo is an option, part of the school curriculum no. anymore. <laughs> um, but there are chances for, for children to interact with the wildlife, uh, like you said, during the summer, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, so specifically the farm animals, there is chance to interact with the farm animals. As far as the wildlife go, we try to give them the space that they require. And it's kind of like, uh, if nature allows it, we'll see pronghorn yeah. and coyotes and bald eagles and it, stuff. Are there certain species that you observe out there that particularly excite you or, or fascinate you? The pronghorn, yeah. definitely. We have a herd of about 100 of them that live on the site. And they're very curious creatures. The Cheyenne actually used to hunt them by hiding behind like a mound and waving a piece of cloth or leather. And the pronghorn are so curious that they'll actually walk up towards that waving piece <laughs> and it put them in shooting range of a bow oh. and they were able to hunt them that yeah. way. And um, I've certainly had that experience in the truck. <laughs> so I use the truck as a blind. And at that time, I think I was using my GoPro and I was just kind of you know, moving it back and forth. And this group of pronghorn just kind of slowly started creeping in, getting closer and closer and let me get some really great pictures of them. There's um, an odd encroachment of modern life that you see you know, for, even from the center with new by, nearby communities, um, with Aurora growing at an impressive rate, is there a risk that we'll lose this habitat? Not the PCC, okay, no. Good. Uh, it has a conservation easement on it and it is here to stay. It's never gonna be developed. Um, 
not sure about the rest of the surrounding area, but it's it's really important for Aurora to preserve some of these spaces. And that's one of our biggest goals when we have people come out to the PCC is to connect them with nature. Because when you experience nature in and its wonder and its ingenuity, you connect with it. And when you have that connection, you think about it when you're making decisions that might affect it negatively. And not only it, but us, because we are nature. Yeah. We are a part of nature. Mm-hmm. Earth is our mother. If we take care of the land, the land will take care of us. The more people that can make that connection, the more people that affect the decisions that are being made. And it doesn't mean that we can't expand, we can't keep growing, we can't have a thriving economy. It just means that we need to make decisions that are harmonious with mm-hmm. nature. We Absolutely. can you know, make those corridors, leave those spots within our infrastructure, and then everybody is a win-win. You mentioned your your stargazing event on May 19th. What are some of the other programs we can look forward to with the PCC this year and beyond? Yeah, besides our regular programs like the farm animal programs, the full moon hikes and astronomy hikes, we do we did our first agriculture festival last year and it was a huge success. So we're going to do it again this year on Saturday, September 16th. And it is an opportunity for people to learn about where their food comes from and then to support local regenerative agriculture. So I invite vendors from the local area that practice sustainable agriculture and it allows them to spread the word about their products and for people to find um, these vendors that they want to purchase goods from. If you could snap your fingers and give everyone an instant understanding of something you've learned during your time as a biologist so far, what would it be? (laughs) This could be a three hour answer if you'd like. (laughs) (laughs) But what do you think is the most important thing that we can take away as as people as it relates to our relationship with nature? I I think it's that we need to remember that we are nature. We are so disconnected We've come so far apart from our roots, but we have the same DNA as the grass and as the insects, as the snakes, as the trees. And we absolutely need nature if we're going to progress and still be around for thousands of years. We need to figure out a way to to live harmoniously with nature. So it would be that nature is what we need. Biologist and natural resource specialist for the Plains Conservation Center, Fendi Dupre. Make sure you visit the Plains Conservation Center at 21901 East Hampton Avenue in Aurora. You can also find them online at auroragov.org. Under the Things to Do tab, Fendi, it was a pleasure to meet you. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Hey, thank you for listening to the Gateway to the Rockies podcast. Visit Aurora is the official destination marketing organization for the city of Aurora, Colorado, and acts as the primary liaison between meeting planners and hotel partners. As Aurora's Convention and Visitors Bureau, Visit Aurora's mission is grounded in showcasing Aurora as a premier destination for meetings, business, and leisure travel. Visit Aurora represents more than 75-plus hotel properties with 13,500-plus guest rooms and more than 1 million square feet of meeting space, including Colorado's largest resort, Gaylord Rockies Resort and Convention Center. As Colorado's third-largest city, Aurora is located minutes away from Denver International Airport and showcases mountain views, memorable meeting spaces, and 250 
50 plus international eateries that offer a unique experience for each and every visitor. As the gateway to the Rockies, Visit Aurora's role in the local community goes beyond marketing the city as a destination. The Visit Aurora team is here to assist you with your Colorado visit from facilitating your meeting, event, or convention to helping you discover local flavor and attractions. Go beyond the boardroom in Aurora, Colorado. For more, visit us at visitaurora.com.